Log Talk Radio. The beat goes on. The beat goes on. Drums keep pounding a rhythm to the brain. La da 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 dee. La da 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 da. Charleston was once the rage of
all of the guests we have. We have a bunch of our uh, friends from the Great White North that are going to be joining us today, as well as Pete Yapel from New York and Glenn Keeling from Ohio. We have uh, Tom Corby going to talk, be talking to us from uh, NorCal. We have George Martirano going to be checking in from Philly. Um, oh, we've got Julia Rose. She's on, and I'm going to bring her up first. Um, we've got a really big show, and I just want everybody who's listening right now to realize that, of course, sometime between now and 5.30, um, Craig Cecil will be calling from federal prison. And so whoever I'm talking to at the time, um, we're going to take a little 15-minute break. So I know that we have a bunch of guests today and a bunch of folks that I have not spoken with in the past. So I just want everybody to know that when Craig calls, he gets one shot at this. It's um, going to be almost closing time in Terre Haute, Indiana, where he's re residing, serving a life term for pot and since we don't think that that's okay, um, we give him the floor, as I would do for you if you were in the same situation. Uh, this show is a podcast. What that means is that we are not governed by the FCC or, or any other uh, uh, federally governed body. We're not regulated and taxed, as we so often like to talk about as a good thing. I don't necessarily subscribe to that notion. Um, so that means if an occasional S-bomb or F-bomb or an MF-bomb or what other kind of bomb might drop, we try to keep it pretty much a PG show. This is not, um, we don't need to uh, have huge showmanship to make this be a great show. I have a lot of people that um, listen to this show and, and look at it kind of as like going to church. Now, I don't mean connecting to your higher spiritual power, but connecting with a fellowship of like-minded folks and and speaking about truth in a way that um, is moving, um, connecting to that higher power to see the truth in front of you maybe. Um, but I treat it that way as well. This is my... Um, Therapy. This is my. Um, this is kind of my spiritual place that I I come to. That's one of the reasons I will do a show, no matter what, if if at all possible. As much as sometimes I'm tired or busy or cranky or hoarse, as the case may have been, and many times, um, I think it's important. This is good and important work. Hopefully, the live feeds will stay live today. Um, I have mine coming from the public figure page, and we got a few people on so far. Hey, Debbie, Peggy Sue, Becca, Albert, Kevin, Luke. Hey, Luke, I haven't talked to you in a long time. I hope that everything is going well. And, of course, Tom Corby. And Lisa Waldridge, the vice president of the Human Solution International, is also running a live feed. So um, we're sort of backing each other up. Uh, they're the same show taken from two different points of view. Um, of course, we are live on Blog Talk Radio, so if you are interested, uh, we have a lot of great guests. If you are listening and you want to ask a guest a question, or if you have a question or a comment or want to 
chew my ear off for some reason or another, all you got to do is pick up your telephone and dial 646-929-2495. We call this show a cup of joe. Um, why? Because the traditional is a uniting factor. It's something that many of us share in common as a love of a rich, bold brew, um, maybe just as much as people like to sit around a pub and share a beer, this is maybe the counterpoint to that. Although the, the, the side effect of drinking a cup of joe might be a motivation, might be some thoughtfulness, might be, especially depending on how you make your cup of joe, might, might be a little infused, it might be enlightening and uh, inspiring. That's what we hope. Okay, we're going to start off this show with Julia Rose. Um, Julia Rose runs a uh, website, and it's a memory of Peter McWilliams. And last week we were talking a little bit about Peter McWilliams. And there aren't a lot of people that I use as um, people that I, I take quotes from or people that I, I look to as uh, enlightened, but Peter certainly was. The way he wrote, uh, the inspiration that he kept, if you read any of his books, um, which I urge you to do, um, he was always inspiring, and, and he was very human about things. He recognized his, his weaknesses and his frailties, and yet he um, saw his um, abilities as well, and he was always very real in his writing, um, and in the website, there's a number of handwritten, you know, scribble notes that show his thought process. Um, and I think if somebody's going to be memorialized, uh, it should be for the work that they did that lives on. You know, a lot of people get out there and they make a lot of money, and then they spend a lot of money, and then whatever. You know, you leave that money to your kids, they spend it, eventually it's gone. Some people build things. You know, you build buildings or you build houses or you build whatever. And those, that's a legacy. And, and for many cases, they're, they're, they live on for many years. But if you are able to write or, or create music, um, written word, the spoken word, if you're able to impart wisdom in a particular way, it has the ability to live on for generations and, and possibly even forever. And that was the kind of thing that Peter did. So anyways, um, Julia Rose, I don't know when I met her, probably, I don't know, six or seven years ago maybe, and she contacted me. Um, I don't know. She sent me a T-shirt and wanted me to take a picture of it, and of course I did. But she came on a radio show. I think I, I was doing a radio show then, so it was probably four or five years ago. Anyways, we started speaking, and then um, at one time I saw her at the Oregon uh, Hemp Fest, and uh, Kristen Floor and Kitty Miller and myself had uh, got a little bear for her as a present that we gave to her on stage. And I was most impressed because Julia has a presence on Facebook and you would think that uh, if all you knew of Julia was Facebook, you would think that she's a sweet girl who has uh, an innocent heart and 
some difficulties in communicating. But when she gets on stage, um, she's brilliant. And the first time I saw her on stage, I was I was blown away with her eloquence and her um, um, her energy level and her ability to communicate. It was it was mind blowing. So um, I've been impressed with her ever since. She's a person that has integrity, which is something that I value tremendously. So without any further words, Julia Rose. How are you doing today, Hi. Julia? Welcome to the show. How are you doing, Uncle Joe? I call him Uncle Joe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Uncle Joe. I, I'm, I, I, I've been called a lot worse by a lot of people, so I appreciate the <laughs> Uncle Joe reference. Um, so, Julia, tell me a little bit about yourself. We have a lot of guests on the line. We have, we have people on, on the show from all states in the United States, up in Canada, down in Mexico. We've got listeners all over the world, and they don't all know who you are, so why don't you uh, introduce yourself a little bit? <laughs> Um, well, I go by Julia from PeterMcWilliams.org, and uh, I'm a young lady who discovered Peter in 2011, long after he died in 2000. I was reading one of his books, and it helped change my life, and uh, then I quickly learned how he died, and I guess I got kind of sucked into this uh, this movement <laughs> for cannabis, even though the funny thing is I don't even smoke, so... I'm one of the people in the movement that don't even smoke, that fight for those who do. So I guess I'm kind of unique in that way. (laughs) And um, I just wanted to tell the story of Peter because I I learned how he died, and it it just was very heartbreaking. And I wanted to educate as many people as I could. And I'm actually naturally very shy, uh, which people don't believe because when I get on stage, it's like I'm a different person or something. Um, But... My whole goal is to try to educate as many people around the world as I can about Peter. And I'm really honored because I'm going to be a part of uh, the Epic 420 event coming up in Windsor, Ontario. It's going to be on uh, April 20th through the 21st. Uh, the speaker's on April 21st. And um, there's going to be a wonderful gentleman named Paul Hartman is speaking. But I'm also going to be speaking that day, too. And um They've been very welcoming and warm to me. Even though I'm an American girl, I feel like I've got a Canadian heart, and I enjoy my time in Canada. And uh, a lot of Canadians especially just adore Peter. And if they don't know his story, when they learn of his story, they just fall in love with him. And uh, he was a really great man. He was a self-publisher of over 40 books. Uh, Five of them were bestsellers. And he was really kind and generous to people. And he got sick with AIDS and cancer, and the U.S. government uh, took notice of him because he started to help grow plants for patients, and um, he and his associate were starting to, to grow plants for patients. And uh, the government didn't really like that at that point because he became this outspoken, very loud person, you know, and uh, he, uh, they basically silenced him, I think. They... Uh, they told him, look, uh, you're, you can't keep taking this cannabis or else we're going to, your mother and brother are going to lose their homes. Um, as condition of bail, they had thrown him in jail for 30 days and he got sicker and sicker. And then he ended up dying, um, without his cannabis and without his medicine. And this was a very sweet man who touched a lot of people's lives. I mean, he wasn't all about cannabis. He was, you know, writing beautiful poetry and helping people through depression and feel better about themselves for years. For years, and um, 
<sighs> so I never knew him. You know, I was too young to have met him, and I just, you know, I found out about him in 2011, way too late. So uh, I was inspired to begin um, online tribute, and uh, you can find us on Facebook under uh, Remember Peter McWilliams, and uh, we just try to touch as many people as we can through his legacy, and I just, I'm sorry I'm rambling, but I'm kind of nervous. <laughs> I get like this. <laughs> and I am drinking a cup of Joe as we speak. Yay. Love it. So am I. But, you know, I, I did want to bring up this one point, and, and you mentioned that you support the rights of people who want to use cannabis, and you don't use cannabis yourself. And yes, I sir. respect that a lot. My wife is the same. She does not use cannabis, although she helps other people. She teaches other people. She, uh, I mean, she does use it topically, but not, not internally. And yet she's been one of the fiercest warriors I've ever known that have fought not only for my rights, but for many, many other people's rights. So I think it's one thing for people, and of course I don't diminish what we do that are cannabis users, but to have somebody that, that is willing to stick their neck out for something that they don't personally even benefit from, I think is a, even another level of special. So I want to salute you to that. Um, I raise my, my cup to you on that because you don't have to do this, and yet you do it anyways. Um, oh, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Some people think I'm, you know, Looney Tunes for, like, what are you doing here? We're a bunch of smokers, but it's it's not, it's just more of, it's, it's not even a, about cannabis all, all the way cannabis you know what i mean it's about life and it's about celebrating well, one's life and trying to improve one's life i think well and that's it's what about peter was about exactly mm -hmm. well, i want to tell you a little secret every single one of these people they're all nuts we're all nuts every one of us so <laughs> we're all nuts together so anybody who says that you're nuts, they're certainly not looking in the mirror very well, because I guarantee you they're nuts, too. <laughs> so oh, that's, definitely. that's the one that levels the playing field around here. <laughs> yeah, definitely, but there's, so you know, I'm very yeah. honored because I've been um, uh, welcomed by so many nice people in the movement, like, um, you know, like the, the 420, the Epic 420 Festival in Windsor coming up, and then they've got one in Ottawa, which is really, really su super on the 20th. And they also actually have a protest in Toronto on 420 that, like, people like my good friend Mr. Puff Dog Thomas is going to. So I wanted to shout out to them because they're good people. Um, Mr. Chris Goodwin and Ms. Aaron Goodwin, they're running things over there. So a lot of good people, you know, that appreciate Peter's story. And I'm just honored that, you know, people even want to hear me speak about him, you know. Well, I've heard you speak about him, and I think you do a brilliant job. And yeah, thank you. Uh, I think you're, you're very well suited for this task. Um, I also oh, want you're you to know that <laughs> Well, tell that to the to some of the people that work for me. <laughs> Anyways, oh goodness, really? I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. I, Maybe they I need more coffee, talking. and then they'll be happier. We <laughs> are. We try to keep all the coffee flowing. So, um, I. We're no stranger to Canada, the Human Solution International. We have a chapter up in Manitoba, um, in up in Winnipeg, Manitoba, and um, we do have members across across the land in Canada. 
So there's a good chance. Yeah, and they're some of the most amazing people. I was able to go last year for the first time and visit, and uh, I fell in love with the place. The people are wonderful, and uh, I hope to go back again this year um, when it warms up a bit. So I do have a line right now. I have Paul Hartman and I have Leo. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to leave you on the line, and I'm going to bring up Paul first. And then I'm going to bring up Leo, and all oh. four of us will be on the line at the same time. So we just oh, have that's to be so awesome. <laughs> we just have to be cautious not to step on each other's tongues a little bit, and we'll be able to have a nice little conversation. So first up, we have Paul Hartman, and Paul, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Joe. Thanks for having me. Hi, Julia. Oh. Hi, Mr. Paul. It's great to hear from you. <laughs> nice to hear you. All right, and now I'm going to bring up Leo, and I believe that you guys are all here to talk about the same event here. So I've got Leo from Windsor, Ontario, 420. Leo, are you there? Yes, uh, Joe, thanks a lot. And uh, Juliet, uh, th- thanks a million, okay, for getting me on the show. And uh, yeah, we uh, got a lot to discuss here, I guess, in the next, uh, what do we got, three hours on the show there, Joe? <laughs> I, I rolled a big joint for it Just so you guys know I have four of us on the line now And Craig Cecil is likely Going to be calling in in the next few minutes He's currently serving a life sentence For pot And he gets 15 minutes um, He calls in every week Even at great peril He could get he could get punished even further um, By doing this But he does it every week So if he does call um, I'm just going to pause our conversation for his. I'll leave you guys on the line, um, and then as soon as he's done, I'll bring you all back, just giving you guys a heads up. Perfect. Okay. All right. So, um, um, well, Paul, why don't you start off, and then um, Leo, um, you guys are all live live mics right now, so we, uh, why don't you tell us about this event? Well, I'm uh, one of the speakers invited by Leo to fill in for Dr. Sam Malachi, who uh, I'm one of his patients. And uh, Sam had a stroke uh, about almost three months ago now and is recovering well, doing quite well, actually. And uh, I've been filling in for him to help promote his boat book to keep income coming in for him and uh in the process have met some wonderful people like leo and julia and yourself and um so i'm going to speak about my journey with cannabis which is very long (laughs) i'm uh, i i started young and uh, although i was born in canada i grew up in california and grew up in a show business family um, music business and comedy and my middle brother was the late comedian Phil Hartman mm-hmm. great man and so that I'm going to talk about all kinds of stuff about pot and music and and then uh, transition all the way into how cannabis oil helped me get over prostate cancer wow excellent yeah That's one of the things that, uh, you know, in speaking about cannabis, there's so many facets to talk about from 
you know, just simply a quality of life to sometimes a life-saving um, experience, as it sounds like you've, you've experienced. So um, when we have people that personally, you know, I, I work with a lot of medical professionals on a lot of different levels, and when you talk to uh, some physicians who are not versed in cannabinoids, they just, you know, they don't get it. And then when you talk to some one of them who has witnessed somebody who has reversed cancer without chemotherapy or radiation or sometimes in concert with it, but using cannabis therapy, it's a, it's a whole different point of view that they take. And it's, it's like they, uh, they open up their eye and can see colors that they weren't able to see before. And I think that that's, that's part of the truth that we're trying to share out there in addition to the fact that it's never anybody people on a regular basis. Yes, it's, you know, it's a, it's an interesting thing, the whole process of making the decision to use cannabis oil to, I, I did it purely. I, I did no chemo, no radiation, no surgery. Wow. Um, I, I was lucky. Uh, my cancer was still inside my prostate. Um, so I, I knew that I had time. I did all the things that I knew to do. I changed my diet. I went ketogenic. Um, one of the things that Dr. Sam Malachi really encourages you to do is to get your diet under control, no alcohol, no, nothing that creates glucose in your system. And all organic, um, vegan, and uh, heavy juicing. I was juicing turmeric root every day. And, wow. uh, and then, because I, I kind of started the whole process, I got diagnosed in Saskatchewan, and I didn't have access to cannabis out there. So I started to plan what I was going to do, and I got, and I was already having results with the diet. My numbers were going down. And uh, so uh, uh, Tracy, Tracy Lamore, my publicist and also the publicist for uh, the 420 event in Windsor, set me up with Sam, and that started the whole process for me. Hey, Paul. Craig's calling in, so I'm going to put you guys on hold for a second, and we're going to talk to Craig from Federal Prison here. Craig Cecil, how are you doing today? Hello, Joe. Well, at least I have a bunch of news from Indiana this week. Oh, yeah? What's, what's going on in Indiana? Well, the prison here, we got a little good news uh, about three hours ago. Oh, yeah? It seems to... Yes, the, the prison, it seems, turned off our heat back on uh, April 8th. <laughs> and uh, that would be okay, I suppose, except for uh, a lot of nights have been in the 20s and maybe the 30s, and a lot of days are, you know, anywhere from the 30s to the 50s. So it's been really cold in here, especially at night. <laughs> well, and, and that, if I'm not mistaken, that, that complex there... It's one of the newest and most modern insulated buildings, right? Well, I suppose it was in 1937 when it opened. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, uh, but right now, there's a whole lot of broken or just missing windows. So in addition to the you know, temperatures in here at 30, 40, 50 degrees, um, there's a windshield. <laughs> so wow. You have to sleep with a windshield. I <laughs> 
I guess. Um, who was that? Who was that architect? Um, uh, Frank Lloyd Wright would love this because he brought the outside in, right? Well, that that would be. This would be his treatment if he, <laughs> if he was cold-blooded, I suppose. I suppose. But, uh, no, we, we have been cold, but uh, thankfully about three hours ago, they've turned the steam to the heat back on, and so we're we're starting to slowly warm up. So that that's one little victory we had. Well, that is that is some serious victory. I, uh, I actually have uh, three Canadians on the line. Uh, well, two Canadians and a... And an American with a Canadian heart, um, and they were just talking about an event going on, or a couple of events that are going on up in uh, Ontario, and one that's going on uh, in Ottawa. But um, you know, it's it's funny in Southern California we don't much think about that. I haven't had the air conditioner or the heat on in a little while. Oh, it's from a cool then. Because it's you know been lovely spring weather out here, but. Up there, uh, you know, closer to uh, I don't know whatever parallel it is, uh, it's not like that. You know, you're you're uh, just a couple states over from Minnesota. It's uh, awful cold up in that neck of the woods. Oh, it's definitely been cold. Last night I had to sleep in long johns, sweat <laughs> sweatpants and clothes, and then a blanket. It's cold. <laughs> wow, wow. Well, at least they do let you have some long johns. That's a good thing. Um, what about your tooth? Did you get any progress on your tooth? Well, the the broken tooth, what they did is the dentist just looked in my mouth. He didn't, because there was a whole lot of other people involved in it. And uh, what he did is he, he didn't clean my tooth. He didn't, you know, drill it or anything. He just globbed a little bit of filling material on it. And uh, he walked away, and the dental assistant said, well, that might last a week. So I, I'm just kind of waiting and seeing at this point. So it, was that considered a temporary stopgap measure, or was that considered a, a, a fix? Um, I think it was just the results of an angry dentist. I, wow. I, uh, like I say, it wasn't even on a, a temporary filling. They they drill it out and clean it up and you know right. to make sure it's going to stick. You know. <laughs> But well, no, I, I didn't get you know I didn't get my mouth numbed at all you know not anything the the whole visit lasted less than five minutes. Wow, wow! He just put just put a little bondo on my tooth basically. Well, at least he didn't drill out your eyeballs on accident or something. I mean, sounds like this guy is not your friend. That's for sure. That's for sure. But I do have a bunch of good news on the marijuana front. Oh, we like that. The, the newest news I heard this morning is there's a, a drug company in uh, England that has applied in the United States to uh, market uh, a cannabinoid medicine, but it's it's a medicine of some sort that they've formulated and all that, uh, especially for use by children to fight uh, uh, seizures. So they're pretty excited about it, and uh, so far the FDA is really going to you know study whether they should make it a prescription drug available in the United States. So that's exciting news that there might actually be a prescription, you know, uh, CBD drug. So, you know, that would kill the whole Schedule One <laughs> debate. Well, you know, it's interesting. I, um, I'm i going to be talking about this later, but um, I have a, a company that makes products that 
include CBD in them. And I just had my uh, payment processing uh, company. It's a it's a company called PayPal, and they shut me off and they seized all the money in my account uh, for six months, saying that I violated their terms of service. And it was because I was selling an item that contained CBD in it on my website. And um, there's nothing I can do about it because they, uh, you know, put it out in their in their terms of service that they have a right to uh, arbitrarily or or you know unilaterally decide if you're following their terms of service. And without warning, without anything, they just sent me a notice saying. You're turned off, and we're keeping your money for six months. <coughs> Crazy. Wow. Yeah, that's what I said. So, unfortunately, somebody's put the fear of cannabis in them. <laughs> well, you know, technically, CBD is a, sub- is a Schedule One substance, but the problem with that is that they sell it at Walmart. They sell it at Mother's Market. They sell it on Amazon. They sell it on eBay. They sell it on all of these major markets, and yet the processing company decides arbitrarily that they don't want any part of it, and rather than give you a notice, like, you know, if I'm doing something that the city doesn't like, they'll send a code enforcement guy out and say, hey, stop that, you know, or we're going to have to take action. But when it comes to anything that has to do with cannabis, on any level, they take the action and then they tell you about it later. It's a it's a different way of, of operating. It's very strange. It sounds like the people that invited me. <laughs> yes, very much so. It does sound that way. And, you know, it, it, it's funny because, on, on you know, I talk about on my show all the time about all this licensing BS and all of the, you know, the legal, the legal access, and yet it's turning out that it's more oppressive than impressive. It's, it's hurting as many or more people as it is helping. And so there's a handful of people benefiting from this, and the rest of us are taking it in the short, both from the consumer having to pay a whole lot more than it's worth to um, the people that are struggling to operate uh, on the dark side of the law now, now that there is a law. Uh, I mean, and they found a bunch of uses for it. That's another one of my pieces of news. It's actually from uh, the Scripps Research Institute, which is out there by you somewhere. Yeah, yeah, down in San Diego. <laughs> well, probably an hour from my house. But, yeah, well, uh, they, they've done a bunch of research. Uh, this call is from a federal prison. Uh, well, they're using rats at this point. And they're giving rats a bunch of alcohol or a bunch of cocaine or a bunch of different addictive kind of stuff, getting them all addicted on it, and then using different CDBs on their skin. And they found that, in the rats at least, it pretty much alleviates the addictions. Yeah, it's and they're very, starting to do. very true. Craig, you know, I've got personal experience with that, not so much as being addicted, but having watched a number of people who have used cannabis therapy to beat addictions, both from heavy drugs like uh, opiates, even heroin, to um, amphetamines, to prescription drugs, painkillers, every kind of thing. Um, And we've watched the use of of cannabis as well as other therapies um, and be 
addiction. And as long as you, you know, have the intent to do it, it really takes the, the sting off of the physical cravings in a lot of ways. Well, the good part is, is the Scripps Research Institute has apparently done this research, and it, it's published, uh, you know, it, it, so, I mean, this is obviously something above board and something recognized, so hopefully just their finding again will put a big dent in how can this be a Schedule One substance when here is a viable working use for it. Well, it's so true. We have, um, we have, well, we had a caller, he'll hopefully call back, who just got back from Israel, and they just had a big uh, symposium um, of, of medical profession, professionals and scientists, and they were discussing their latest findings where they're allowed to research it over there. So they've been able to make some serious headway um, in a place where it's not so restrictive. And we're even talking about, and I'm jumping the gun a little bit, about potentially being part of uh, a similar type of, a, of an event here in the States. Um, and so it's kind of exciting stuff as the, the knowledge is starting to spread. And like you said, it's one thing to have a bunch of yahoos like me out there just working with it for all their life. But when you have somebody that is, you know, got the degrees and the, the research grants and the, the um the, the name on the world stage as an authority in science to publish some findings, now that's when you start turning some heads. But like I say, I, I'm, I'm encouraged that we're, we're obviously heading in the right way when more and more people are, you know, backing a, a medical use for it. As you know, there's many VA doctors pushing for its use with our vets. Uh, they found it to be an excellent treatment in a bunch of people for PTSD. And it definitely doesn't have the side effect of a lot of the prescription drugs they give them. Yeah, yeah that's one of the topics we've talked about a lot is, and we're going to continue talking about, we actually have a new veteran that's joining our, our team, um, going to be advocating but one of the things that happens, what we found is that uh, veterans, you know, there's so many combat veterans nowadays because of all the combat situations we've had over the last 50 years that have come back from, uh, you know, from war, damaged both physically and mentally, and then they get hit on, you know, the VA gives them all these drugs, and they get hooked on a number of drugs, and then they're tied up with all these other drugs to help leave the complications, and before you know it, they're, you know, taking 20, 30 pills a day, and then they come to find out that by using cannabis, in many cases that we've experienced first, firsthand, they're able to reduce the number of drugs they're taking, in some cases completely eliminating them, using cannabis as a primary treatment for a myriad of different problems, from PTSD um, psychosis issues all the way to, um, you know, getting your head blown off and your legs blown off and all the horror concussion injuries and everything else that comes from it. Um, they're finding in so many cases that the cannabis therapy is helpful. But then, here's the twist to it. When the VA finds out that they're using cannabis, they'll cut them off of anything else that they might have been using that is helpful, including you know, pain meds for, for extremes and things like that, 
they'll come back and say, sorry, you're using cannabis, so you don't get any other therapy. And I, I, I have, you know, a number of people in my world that have experienced just that. And people that have got, I've got a friend, Ronnie, who had his arm hit by a helicopter blade and just shattered all the nerves. And he's got every kind of pain imaginable from that. And he uses cannabis to help him, but, you know, he needs other things as well. Well, he used cannabis to cure his cancer, and it worked. He got his cancer out. But now the VA found out he's using the cannabis, and they cut him off of everything else. Oh, there we go. There's your first beep. I'm going to go ahead and turn it back to you, Craig. Okay. My last little piece of good news is you you might have heard that Senator Gardner from uh, Colorado started blocking a bunch of uh, uh, the Trump administration's uh, nominees as judges and the like because uh, Jeff Sessions threatening to take all kinds of uh, cannabis enforcement actions out in Colorado. Well, yeah, yeah. Go. Three days on the fifteenth, uh, there was an agreement was made between Gardner and Trump that they will not come in after the uh, re- the people legal under state law in Colorado. And now Gardner is let up and allowed the nominations to go through. So they hold they held him hostage and uh, Trump folded on that. The art of the negotiation, I love it. Right, the art of the deal, but Trump lost the... <laughs> ah, there it goes. Fifteen minutes. Sometimes I just don't even want to talk, but then I feel sometimes like the conversation gets gets stuck. Um, yeah, dang it. So for everybody who doesn't know or who wasn't, um, who wasn't, uh, hasn't paid attention... Craig Cecil is currently serving life without possibility of parole in federal custody. And uh, he calls in every week and shares his thoughts and his ideas and feels the support from the people on the show and in the Human Solution and some of the other advocates out there. So, all right, I'm going to bring back up Paul. Howdy. Yep, you're live again. And we got Julia. Hi. Julia, you're live again and Leo Leo you're live on the air again okay so we're gonna Yay. get back to that so, well, I'm not sorry I'm glad to do that for Craig I'm sure you guys understand totally yes, understand 100% alright so where do what we leave off Paul, yeah your, wow uh, could you say that again Joe Said, Paul, you were you were telling us about your experience and uh, you know the things that you're talking about on stage. Oh right. Um, and so when I came back to Ontario from Saskatchewan, uh, Tracy Lamore, my publicist, uh, introduced me to Dr. Sam Malachi, and um, I interviewed with him, and and I started my treatment in. About 50 days in, I met my new urologist, and I went in for an exam, and uh, he's reading the report from the doctor in Saskatchewan, and he's like, oh, two-thirds of your prostate's enlarged on the right-hand side, and you Gleason scores 10-2, and you... uh, 
your biopsy sample had 7% cancer in it and, you know, so on. And, and he puts on the rubber glove and he says, all right, bend over. Let's get a feel for this puppy. And he goes in and, and he doesn't feel anything. Wow. He, says, he goes, it feels completely normal. Wow. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, I couldn't believe it, right? And, and he didn't ask me anything. Like, he didn't ask me what I was doing or why or, you know, all he could say was, huh. A miracle. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I was, I was like, what a fucking asshole. <laughs> but anyway, so that, that kind of changed my whole perspective on what cannabis meant to me because I'd always come from what would be considered a recreational point of view or a spiritual point of view as you know I grew up in the 60s and in California and it was cannabis was a rite of passage for teenagers you know and uh, as you probably know well Joe I was right there with you yep (laughs) I was born Uh, in the 60s but it was very much a rite of passage, <laughs> a daily rite of passage. <laughs> yeah, and I was, I, you know, I, I went to school in L.A. in uh, Westchester and Playa del Rey, and and my brothers lived in Malibu, and you know, so it was, and they were in the music business, so it was, music was so intertwined with it, you know. It, Good cannabis created great movies and great music. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. All right. Well, um, let's let's talk to Leo a little bit here. Leo, um, are, are you? Uh, where, where do you fit into this? Is this an event that you're putting together? Or are you a? Uh, how do you fit into this role? Well, I fit into this role. It all started for me. Uh, the 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 event it all started for me in 1985 i started boxing okay and i accomplished the detroit golden gloves by the time i was 17 years old and fought with team canada in the ontario championship so you know i suffered a lot of uh headshots right in the makings and uh not knowing right uh using recreational cannabis as a as a youngster anyways after my into my 20s uh before I was using the cannabis. I was suicidal, okay? Uh, things, you know, I'd walk into a bar and fight five guys, you know, because I had the ability to fight, right, if somebody said the wrong thing. So I was doing things that, you know, could ultimately get you killed, right? So walking across the street without looking, that type of shit, right? Not knowing what a concussion was, okay, because science wasn't there with concussions in sports. That just come out in, uh, what, 2012, 2010, Okay, they denied it, uh, that concussions uh, with football, this and that. Now we know that, you know, so the cannabis was helping me with my head injury, right? Ultimately, after a few years, okay, uh, of me uh, uh, being pro-cannabis, I was in prison for almost two years in various cages throughout Canada. Wow. 17 years of my life on probation, bail, or parole, some type of stipulation. I'm only 48 years old. I'm the youngest probably out of everybody here. Right. Actually not. <laughs> Actually not. Okay, so I started to get onto the, uh, the, which I have a lot of skin in the game. Right after spending time, this not everybody knows who I am down here in my area. Right. Uh, so I started to get pro cannabis. Right. Uh, Mark Emery and those type of guys. I was on the West Coast. 
and uh, I met those guys, and I thought, wow, just listen to that guy speak for two seconds, right? So then I started meeting other people, this and that, and I got onto the uh, uh, the proactiveness of cannabis, right? Uh, and we knew before any science, because there's a lot of data out there, okay, uh, and the Israelis have a lot of it on uh, uh, on the science behind cannabis and uh, with mental illness and uh, all kinds of crazy stuff from cancer to PMS, right? We could go on for days, right? So I started... Uh, uh, getting into the the proactive uh for a festival about three years ago and i had a lounge a vapor lounge which is totally illegal okay uh but i got a permit from the provinces now and i started a medical one right under this uh disguise of medical which everybody is doing right uh, the legal way and uh but over here the law states i can't ask you for your medical document right so it's a safe place. People come in, they smoke this and that. So I did a 420 in there, right? It worked out. And then last year I was with Sam Malecci at his farm out in uh, Mission, B.C. And uh, we were discussing. I said, I want to throw an outdoor 420, get involved in this and that. So we started talking about it, and I did. He came last year in a few, uh, and I, I thank him uh, every, whenever I can, okay, because he was there for us in the beginning, right? So this is about Sam, too, right? So Sam... Since he had the stroke, we're carrying it on anyways, and uh, it's going to keep going on. But we do have a two-day event, first ever city in Canada to get permitted for two days for a cannabis festival. Okay, and we're going to make awareness to the licensed producers. Okay, that's the government uh, uh, monopoly that they're trying to set up right now, right? Uh, they're using uh, various banned pesticides that are banned in North America on their cannabis, then there's class action lawsuits in the makings right now as we speak, right? So, uh, you know, we're bringing the, the attention to that, that we know that cannabis doesn't cause cancer, okay? The air that we breathe may be more uh, dangerous than the cannabis that we uh, consume. Okay, coffee, cup of joe, there you go. I drink coffee, but coffee, coffee's more dangerous than cannabis, okay? And the science is behind it. So, you know, with that, uh, you know, I got this going on anyways, and uh, we're going to make a lot of awareness. The government and their monopolization is just not going to work because we know that cannabis doesn't cause cancer, but you put chemicals on it and pesticides, you're going to, the cancer rate is going to spike through the roof, okay, because it's all about money at the end of the day, and the government wants it all. We're no different from the American government. Right now, the government ain't really enforcing the law on cannabis, Okay, I have a medical license, a federal license to possess, to grow, to make shatter, to make anything that I want, edibles, uh, anything that I wish deemed, right? So I'm good that way, right? But uh, I don't smoke the licensed producer stuff. I will not buy it. I know people personally that have been sick by it. So, you know, we've got to make that aware that uh, you know, the government's supposed to be looking out for health and welfare in the best interest of Canadians. It's not working, right? They're not doing it and they don't give a shit. It's all about dollars and cents. And there are a lot of truths going to get exposed uh, from uh, Paul, Julia, the guy Jack Kungle, who was also uh, cured from cancer, and uh, the Texas tornado. She's coming in from Texas. Okay, uh, Her name's Pamela Shavid-Himes, okay, great speaker. She's got about 140,000 people on her Facebook site. So, yeah, it's going to be good. There's going to be a lot of free stuff going away. Uh, Urban hydroponics giving away a whole grow system, right? So, you know, for me, it's it's really not about the cannabis because, it's a, to me, it's all about the charity that we're doing it for, and that's the women's shelter and the uh, food banks. So the admission's either $5 or a can good goes to the food banks or the, uh, or the women's shelter because our government 
doled out $160 million for the province of Ontario for mental health and all kinds of other things, but Windsor got shut out of all of it. So our shelters need money, and, you know, this is what it's all about. And I'd love to see other 420s, because it's a global thing, right, do the same thing, you know, uh, show, you know, we're a peaceful society at large and do something better for society. we got bigger social issues at hand than cannabis, and they make a big thing about cannabis, right? So given me the opportunity, I would wipe out world hunger with cannabis in two seconds. And that's a, that's, that's a great statement. I think we yeah. could if we weren't so busy fighting for our own freedom. I think that uh, we could do a hell of a lot of good uh, in, in literally pick your problem. We could so probably solve it either with the plant itself or, or by raising money with the plant for it. I mean, there's a, there's a number of ways to go. So, well, Chinese uh, medicine, and Paul knows this because he's got the book that Sam just wrote, and that book will be at the 424-21 Festival. Chinese medicine, 5,000 years ago, Paul, states uh, you know, that the, the plant was alien, uh, was one of the best plants on, on, on Earth. Food, it was medicine, it was, you name it, right? It was uh, uh, textile. So the Chinese, right? And uh, it's in Sam's book. Wow. Yeah, you, you know, so... You know, we knew if if it's society knew this, you know, it's only been illegal here, I think, for 80-something years anyways in Canada, okay, when they scheduled it next to cocaine and everything else, right? But right now, like I said, nobody's really giving a shit about pot. Uh, the police, this and that, uh, they don't even care, really, because it's a, it's a minor thing. We're in a, an opiate crisis just like the United States, right, uh, where people are dropping like flies at record numbers. And like you said, in the... Uh, Cannabis weans people off opiates and cocaine and whatever, crack, heroin, okay, whatever they're into, and uh, it's been tested. There's results on that. So, you know, we know if it cures can- uh, helps alleviate cancer or any, uh, any illness whatsoever, okay, I would say that uh, society, well, not society, but the government should be held accountable, because that should be given to everybody for for free and not a monetary thing where $10 a gram or I was in a dispensary in Toronto the last week, $17 a gram. Come on. Well, come and see what they do in California. It's, 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 uh, it's an out-and-out rape. It's, it's unbelievable. You see at the license places in California, uh, you know, it's just going for five dollars $600 an ounce. Unbelievable. Come on. You want me to yeah, move to California and make you rich? <laughs> it makes the government rich. It's all going to the, the taxes and the fees and the. the I would say all of it. Your black market's thriving. Your oh, black absolutely. Not yeah, that I would know. Just like ours is going to do. Like the government can do what they want on both sides of the border. I have a guy from Detroit, actually. His name's Richard Clement Sr. He was a. Uh, what do you call him? Uh, he worked for George Cushenberry out of uh, District 5 in Detroit, I think it is. But he is going to be speaking, and he helped get that proposal in November for the medic- uh, for legalization in Michigan, right, for the medical. <laughs> so he's a big proponent from over there. And he wants to get something called uh, Cannabis Without Borders going, which makes 100% sense to me because you're allowed to bring your, your damn Oxycontins through the border, but try and bring a joint. You know, one thing I noticed, last last year I went up to uh, Winnipeg and I was uh, able to tour one of the licensed facilities 
and uh, the growing facilities, and, and I was able to see some of your shops and whatnot. And first of all,
<laughs> yeah, it's all good. <laughs> but no, there's going to be a shitload of freebies. Uh, there's a hydroponic company that's giving away a hydroponic system, a grow tent, ventilation, the whole nine yards, ready to roll. Uh, you know, stuff like that. There's, uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of vendors that are going to be here, right? So, but the venue only holds 400 or 500 people, right? So, uh, the city may have to uh, come to grips with uh, a, a mass crowd, probably 15, 20 times that size. We're hoping. I love it. I love it. And how many speakers do you have scheduled? How many speakers? I got, uh, let's see, uh, uh, how many do I got? I got Jack Tungle, the Texas Tornado, that's two. I got another guy, his name's uh, John Trammell. Okay, he's the one and the only, he's a lawyer activist type of guy. He knows the laws, he's fought John's the laws. He's been uh, on the show a couple of times. Oh, you had John on? Yeah, yeah, he's been on the show a couple of times. He can talk for a long time. He's a... Quite a guy. I'm gonna to have to shut him up because I'm uh, the yeah, time that we right. have, right? And I'm joking. <laughs> I, I'm joking on that one. But, uh, we got a whole. We got uh, one, two, three, four. Yeah, we got seven speakers, okay, and then we got uh, one, two, three, four, five, six bands on Friday and seven bands on Saturday. So it's gonna be interesting. If somebody wants to attend this, can you give me the, the – the, how do they find out how to get there? I, I'm assuming we're going to be reaching some people that are interested in attending. Google so what Earth. do they need to do to find it out? Google Earth, Windsor, Ontario, Canada. We're uh, about one mile from downtown Detroit, Michigan. Okay, and it's at uh, 215 Charles Clark Square East, Windsor, Ontario. Both days are from 11 a.m., to 11 p.m. That's Friday this 4:20 and Saturday 4:21. Beautiful, beautiful. All right. Well, I want to thank you very much for uh, sharing all this with our audience. And um, uh, Paul, I want to thank you for joining the show. And I, of course, welcome you guys back anytime something uh, is important that you want to get out there. And uh, Julia, uh, is there anything else that you wanted to, to impart? Yes, I'd like to ask Mr. Paul and Mr. Leo what they think about this quote from Peter McWilliams. Nausea is an unsolved problem of medicine, and marijuana is the finest anti-nausea medication known to science. 100% true, and uh, there's been over 100 different scientific studies from universities throughout the world that have concluded that, what you're saying. Yes. Yes, absolutely. 100% true. Agree with Leo. <laughs> Yay. Uh, and Peter. <laughs> and, and the funny thing is, I'm not even speaking at my 420. Paul's doing that for me. <laughs> oh, wow. You should speak, too. <laughs> I'll say a couple things, but nothing like what I just did on the radio. Oh, wow. you, can, you can hold me by the back of my neck like a Charlie McCarthy doll. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the, the lips will move. <laughs> and, and you know what? Any friend of Sam Malachi, okay, is a friend of mine. Period. You know, uh, <laughs> I you can't know, wait me to Sam, meet you guys. Uh, me and Sam got close. No, I, but you know what? Thanks for having me, Joe, on the show. And, and and send me a link to this on my uh, email. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks, Joe. I appreciate yep. you being here, and uh, you're welcome to come back. Maybe you can uh, call back in a couple of weeks and share how the event went. And uh, yeah, maybe I'll be on the handcuffs by then. Oh, maybe I'll be I, a- I hope so. I hope, I hope you're, 
Your grief is minimal and your joy is, is plentiful. Hey, it's all about charity. We don't care about pot anymore. <laughs> I love it. All right, you guys. Well, thank right. you all for being here. And uh, Julia, of course, um, you're always um, a welcome guest. And it sounds like you may be helping me uh, in the future wrangle in some more guests. So I'm going to unofficially <laughs> call you uh, my personal helper on the show. What do you say? Yay! <laughs> That's uh, awesome. <laughs> All right, thank you for well, helping you. the grasshopper. Oh, <laughs> uh, you bet. And um, I, I appreciate all the shirts you sent. You're gonna start seeing a bunch of pictures coming. I've been giving them away with the with the promise that you have to give me pictures to get a shirt. So um, yes, and I was gonna get some to Mr. Leo too for the event. Beautiful. Well, you're gonna start getting a bunch of pictures coming out of my camp, and uh, let's talk Yay. soon. I, I look forward to hearing about how the event went down. Yay, and Mr. Sean Mack is going to call you soon, I think, with his event. Um, he, yeah, he's wondering if you're ready for him. He just wrote me. So should I tell him you're ready yeah, for him? Yeah. He, okay. Well, it was great meeting right. you, Mr. Leo, Mr. Paul. Can't wait to meet you in person. All right. All right. Well, thank you so much, everybody, and um, we're going to keep on moving. So, again, that was Julia Rose. Uh, we had Leo, and we had uh, – we had uh, – She's um, Paul Hartman. I don't know what. Well, the cannabis is working, folks. Sorry. Sometimes the brilliance gets tripped up with a moment of uh, of lost. Um, all right. So Melody, I see you on the uh, on the live feed. I, you should call in six four six nine two nine two four nine five. And I understand you have a trial date. So that's what this show is all about, sharing some of these uh, stories, and hopefully we can rally some more people to participate. Okay, so we've got Pete Yapel coming up next, and, uh, of course, we have Tom Corby with NorCal Report. Glenn Keeling's got something to say. And um, I've got a few things I want to say as well. So I think um, let's talk about 420 just for a minute. The Human Solution International has been around since 2009, so we're coming up on 10 years. Um, and in 2010, we did our very first uh, event. It was uh, the HempCon in, in L.A. at the L.A. Convention Center. And at that time, you know, these events were brand new, and we didn't know anything about them. We were a very young organization. We didn't have any money. We didn't have anything, but we had a lot of enthusiasm, and uh, we had members willing to help out. We put up our very first booth, and it was exciting and fun, and we were able to really get some um, some good exposure. We, we got some uh, membership. We got people willing to stand up and help. I was able to, um, you know, do a little bit of, of speaking, and, you know, it was kind of the beginning of all this. Since that time, we did I don't know how many of these events. And here in the States, what I noticed was that as the events got bigger and the industry got bigger, the advocacy side of things got smaller, and um, the nonprofit side of these events got smaller and smaller, and we got pushed into little corners. Um, okay, no problem, Melody. I understand. I'll uh, I'll talk about your case a little bit. Um, anyways, um, 
time went on, and uh, you know we'd get invited to attend these events for free, which was the one good thing. And we would put up, you know, a table, and and but you know the truth is we would set up an event, and we would get all these free passes, and we get all these volunteers that would want to participate in the event. And at the end, there'd be me and one or two people that were left holding down the table. And um, it just got old. Um, about three years ago, it was 20, no, four years ago, 2014, I believe it was. Maybe it was 2015. Uh, I think it was 2014, though. Um, it was the year, I think it was the year they dismissed my case. Anyways, three years, four years ago, we were in Denver. And our Denver chapter... Um, really put a lot of effort into this. They put thousands of their own dollars into into creating the most amazing booth ever. And we had members come down from uh minute or um Montana, we had members coming from California, we had members from Colorado, members from all over the place. And I can remember this event showing up and it was kind of a a disaster from the beginning. Um, initially, we got there, and they had moved all of our stuff. And we had this, you know, nice 10 by 20 booth or 10 by 10 booth, whatever it was. And we showed up, and everything was pushed over into a corner. Nobody knew anything. Well, we had a bunch of volunteers, and we were able to move everything and get this thing set up. And I remember if it wasn't for membership from Montana, I would have probably just walked away from the table. We had, um, I don't know, 20 or 30 volunteers that were supposed to be helping running shifts for this event. And um, the cannabis was down. But the cannabis broke down, as it does from time to time, and uh, there was all kinds of drama surrounding that. And my chapter coordinator that was supposed to be at the booth organizing all of the things that she had spent so much time and energy doing was stuck dealing with the bus. And I showed up that next morning, and um, there was only a couple of people there. And if it wasn't, again, for, you know, some, some people from some of these other chapters helping out, um, it was really, really frustrating. I never actually got to go into the event and see the whole event. This is the Denver 420, but I was stuck at the table the whole time because if I had left, there was virtually nobody there, and we were trying to at least raise up some money for the organization and to pay back all the money she'd spent on all of the uh, activities and games and all the stuff she had put in. And... Um, you know, through it all, it was two or three days. I think it was two full days and then third day to break down. And uh, I can just remember that all the people we talked to, there was a handful of people that got it. And there was a couple of people that did get it. There was an ex-POW that showed up and, you know, was rah, 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 but he never really did anything more, never really helped out. Um, a couple of cases that in Colorado, which we have lots of cases in Colorado, um, but they were in the process of taking plea deals. Um, we signed up a few members, but over the course of 
of two days with thousands and thousands of people present in this big High Times 420 event and millions and millions of dollars being spent here, I just felt that um, it just wasn't worth it. And in fact, it was the last big event that we've done as an organization where multiple chapters got together. And, um, you know, it's a bittersweet memory. Uh, I do miss working with some of the folks that we worked with, but I frankly don't miss being, you know, in a, in a group of a handful that were committed enough to stay with this and, and try to share our message and try to share our support with the others. And, and most of the people were just so quick and eager to, you know, go see the booth, see the event. And, you know, that's kind of what it's come down to. A couple of years back, we, um, we were at the High Times uh, Cup in, in San Bernardino, and at this time we were uh, on a letter-writing campaign for Craig Cecil, who just called in, serving life in prison. Um, and we were working at the clemency. Obama's clemency was still going on. We were trying like hell to get him to be qualified. So we had gathered up 100 letters to be written. And at the same time, we had Chris Lewandowski, who was a Marine who was fighting a case in Oklahoma, and we were um, heartily behind him. And, you know, a handful of us came together. We put up a booth, and we were gathering um, letters which we had pre-written out and had filled out the envelopes. All you had to do was sign the letter and write in your address, and that's it. it took us all day, but we got or all of, yeah, we were there one day, not two days. It took us all day, but we got 100 letters, and there was thousands of people at this event. Um, it should have happened in an hour, but it took us all day. We got it. Um, I don't know that I'm ever going to do one of these type of an event again. I, I feel that uh, the industry has has swallowed up the movement, and we haven't finished the job. Um, as as uh, Sean and Paul were, or as Leo and Paul were just talking about, um, the government's not good at at making medicine for people. And it's one of these things that uh, regulations don't help an industry and a movement that people have been doing on their own for thousands of years. We don't need the government <clears throat> to do this for us. We don't need the government to take our money to do this for us. We don't need the government to make it safe for us. It's already safe. I don't know what is wrong with us that tells us that we need to turn over our freedom to the government that says, do this for us, because it will be better that way. No, it's not better that way, number one. And they don't stop arresting us, number two. They arrest different of us. They arrest some people and not others. And, you know, we'll talk about that later. But the issue is all these events, glorious as they may be, I frankly haven't seen a big impact on the movement to actually end prohibition once and for all and create a world where no one goes to jail for this plant. And that's all we're here for. That's all I'm here for. I don't care about your law. I don't care about your regulation. I don't care about your legalization bill because it's all bullshit, all of it. 
It's bullshit in Canada. It's bullshit in, the, in California. It's bullshit in Colorado and every other state because people are still getting arrested. They're still losing their property. They're still losing their jobs. They're still losing their VA benefits. They're still losing all kinds of things that they shouldn't be losing because of this plant. That's all. All right. So uh, we got Sean Mack, who actually is on right now, and then we're going to go through our locals. So Sean is um, an organizer for the 420 uh, Ottawa event, and let's see what Sean has to say. Sean, hey, how's it welcome going? to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? Well, you know, I get on these little tirades from time to time, but um, generally speaking, I'm above ground, breathing, and currently out of custody, so I'm feeling good about it. So that's definitely good. <laughs> so tell us about your event. What's going on out there in Ottawa? Uh, so Ottawa, Ottawa, very much like Washington in the States, has the blessed opportunity of having our government's official capital building, uh, and we get the opportunity to go and smoke up on the lawn and have a big, fr- uh, big protest right on the front lawn of our <laughs> capital building. So it's, uh, it's pretty exciting. It's definitely unique. I don't think any other country in the world has the, the I wouldn't say the ability, but the, the, the rights that we do in that sense. Uh, the, the police and the, the RCMP, the, they actually work with us and allow us this opportunity. So it's, it's definitely exciting and unique. Well, I certainly we, uh, hope that there's some video of this. I would love to see um, this kind of a protest. Um, this is obviously near and dear to my heart. And, and the ability to express yourself freely with this plant should never be inhibited by any law enforcement. But to be able to go to the lawn of the Capitol and light up to me seems like it should be a natural, normal thing. Absolutely, absolutely. And slowly over time, it's becoming more of a normal thing before legalization. As Like, I've been attending these things for probably, you know, a little more than 10 years. And when we first started, there was not nearly the amount of people that we had. There was a couple hundred here and there. Uh, and even before that, in just random parks, before it became really organized, it was just, you know, a couple groups of people here and there. So to see it grow from what it's been to where it's now, like, 10, 15,000 people that show up and all, you know, fight, fight the law in that kind of sense. It's, it's incredible. It's really, it's really cool to see. Um, and this year is obviously a really, really big one with Canada about to legalize or what they call legalize marijuana um, in the next couple months. This is going to be one of the last apparently uh, illegal uh, rallies, I guess they would call it, because they, they don't want to call it what it is and it's a protest, right? They just assume it's a celebration and that's what they call it in the media and everything else. But uh, realistically, it's still a protest at the end of the day. So I was doing an interview uh, locally here today and they'd asked uh, whether this was going to be the last one or whether uh, they were going to allow this sort of thing to continue in the future. Because as I said, they, they work with us at the moment. Um, but part of the legalization and the laws that are going to be passed is that there will be no public consumption. Uh, which is exactly what this entire thing is. So to have it right on the front steps. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So to have it on the front steps is a a pretty big challenge uh, for next year, but I don't think that it'll really change anything at the end of the day. We're still fighting for things, uh, and that's what it's always been. Uh, Regardless of people just come there just to celebrate, the majority of it is a protest, and it'll always be like that. So um, is is this organized in such a way that if somebody – Wanted to be involved, um, you know, on a on a level. Are, are, are there, uh, you know, speeches being made, or is it just sort of a, a sort of an organic uh, a gathering? 
Uh, it's actually a little bit of both. Uh, unfortunately, due to the fact that we are on the Parliament Hill uh, grounds, there's a lot of uh, bylaws and little laws that we have to abide by in order to be there. Part of that is that we can't have vendors and we can't have uh, big parties like you would normally see in Vancouver or Toronto. Uh, people can't be throwing joints out to the crowd, that kind of thing, unfortunately. But uh, we do have speakers and we have a band that comes up to play and they play you know, classic uh, hippie tunes and their own little sets. Uh, they're called the Yappers. They're a great band. We've had them a couple years in a row, and we're really happy to have them again this year. Um, so we'll have speakers, and we'll have the band. And more than that, it just it becomes organic, like you said. People just kind of become their own little moving unit. I love it. So if somebody wants to attend this and they're unfamiliar with uh, with the area, how would they find out, or how would they get there? Uh, yeah, it's right downtown in uh, in Ottawa. Uh, you can't miss it. It's the Parliament Buildings right on Rideau Street. Uh, all the buses go right downtown. Uh, it's it, Like I said, it's impossible to miss. You'll see the swath of people. Uh, there's no admittance fee. You show up at 2 p.m., you sit there and get high until 5 p.m., and then everybody crowds out. Uh, and there's a few after parties around the city. Uh, usually you have to know somebody to know somebody to get in there, but if you're in the crowd, you'll know. Um, and, yeah, so it's uh, it's pretty free-flowing from 2 to 5 p.m. Fantastic. Well, that sounds like a good time. Uh, it sounds like, uh, you know, something that hopefully this is the last time you need to do it, but it seems like, I don't know, it might be all right to just do it anyways. Uh, you know, if, if, if you got to protest the ability to consume in public, maybe that's still worth protesting. Um, I always uh, appreciate a good protest. I'm, I'm no stranger to a protest myself, and uh, I, I, I love the spirit of liberty that drives people uh, to their capital to uh, voice their opinion and, uh, you know, show their, you know, their will. You know, this is public sentiment in its truest form when people gather together and take a simple action. So uh, my hat's off to you. Um, hopefully there will be some sort of a live stream or some way that we can uh, witness this from wherever we're at. And uh, uh, hopefully uh, maybe you can uh, check in next week and, and uh, let us know how it went down. Absolutely. If you look up uh, Pottawa, so that's Ottawa with a P at the start, uh, then we'll have a live stream of the entire event. So whether you're in the country or not or even local and just need to stay at home, you can catch it there. Uh, and absolutely, I'll check in after the fact, and we'll talk about how awesome the party was. Beautiful. Well, I very much appreciate you coming on and, and sharing this. Sean Mack, um, I, I welcome you back anytime. Sounds great, man. Glad to be there. All right. We'll talk soon. All right. Later. All right. Sean Mack from 420 uh, Ottawa, the Pottawa event, and uh, it's exciting to see uh, our neighbors to the north, standing up and and recognizing. I, so far, everybody I've talked to in the north is sort of of a, of a mindset that yeah, we're we're you know this legalization thing is happening, but it's not happened yet, and we're not entirely happy with with where we're at, and there's still work to be done. And I just hope that we don't give up before we're done. I just I just hope that we don't. One day go, well, it's okay, we're good, we, we accomplished what we came to, it's legal, and yet there's still a place where somebody can get locked up ever for this plant. There should not be any loophole, any amount, any, um, any possible scenario 
where possessing, cultivating, transporting, selling, buying, manufacturing, anything with this plant should be considered a crime unless, of course, you're actually committing a crime where you have a victim. I just hope that we can raise our consciousness enough to recognize that a crime needs a victim to be a crime. Otherwise, it's some sort of a violation, uh, an infraction, a, 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 a detail of an ordinance. But a crime, a crime, meaning something that you could lose your freedom for, lose your life, your liberty, your property, have a felony attached to your record, limiting your, your freedoms for the rest of your life, that that could still happen in a place and a time where people consider it to be legal. We need to wake up. We need to extract our heads from our asses and look around and see what's in front of us. Because if it was you that was getting arrested or losing your freedom because you weren't following the rules, you might think different. Just saying, there's a lot of this coming. Okay, um, let's go forward. We got Pete Yaple up next, and then we got Glenn Keeling. So Pete has some great news for us. Pete is a chapter coordinator from our Solidarity Over Separation chapter from New York, and uh, he's been working real hard, working out of Sugarloaf in a in a uh, healing center, giving some uh, classes. And he's made some big strides lately. So, Pete, why don't you update us? Tell us what's going on. Hey, Joe. Good evening. Um, listen, I, I suggest anybody that's in, you know, the New York area, which will be anywhere from Albany to New York, I would say, uh, to the city proper. It's 60 miles in between each of them. Sugarloaf, New York is a quaint little town. And if you want to do something on 420, that means something, especially to you if you're a New York resident. I suggest you come to the healing, uh, uh, the Holistic Healing Studio in Sugarloaf, where we're going to have Larry Sharp, who's the Libertarian candidate for governor here, who's going to discuss policy, his drug policy. He's uh, also going to talk about his feelings on um, on uh, victimless crimes people that are imprisoned and incarcerated, why they shouldn't be, how, what we should do about it. Um, it's going to be a great, great time. We're going to do a two-hour show from uh, 12 to 2, uh, Can We Talk 420, our radio, which is our sister station to Joe. And um, we, we run our shows on Monday evenings, but we're doing a special edition Friday directly from the event. Uh, also, as Joe was saying, once a month we do teach classes at the Holistic Healing Studio um, and uh, we'll be teaching our class, which will be the endocannabinoid system and cannabinoids, as well as terpenes and flavonoids. We'll be teaching that on at set from seven o'clock until nine in the evening, still at the holistic uh, healing studio. Yeah, well, our chapter uh, when we came to Joe, Helen and I are more educators, um, uh, um, and this is how we fit. And I believe it's a beautiful fit for us all because. The way Cannaway Talk works and the way solidarity has come to, come to pass is that, yes, we, can, we all know it's a victimless crime. We can talk to – we're blue in the face to people. 
um, about cannabis not hurting anyone and why should anybody go to jail. But I, I don't believe that if people don't erase the stigma and have some sort of education on the plant, once they realize that the plant cannot harm you, and, you know, I've heard talk about pesticides on the show and, and, and the set and the thing. Yes, I don't want it in my cannabis either. Don't get me wrong. But you're not going to die from the cannabis. If you're going to get sick from anything, it's going to be the pesticide. So the plant itself cannot harm you. It's physiologically impossible to be harmed by the plant. So what, what we, if once people understand that, I think, a little bit better and have an understanding that, you know, cannabis, you know, it truly is a medicine, whether you believe you're using it as a medicine recreationally or not, you are because you're, all you're doing is boosting your endocannabinoid system, which regulates and controls all the health in your body, people. So you're, you're, anytime you're using cannabis, whether you want to believe you're using it recreationally or not, you're really using it in a medical form. Um, uh, I'm really interested uh, in hearing – now, and let me put this out there too to everyone – if you cannot make the event, please join us live if you know if you have the ability to. I know it's Friday at noon, but uh, we will be broadcasting live from Facebook from our blog talk radio show, uh, Can We Talk 420, and uh, radio. And uh, if you have questions you want answered, but you cannot attend the event, please feel free to email them to us to talk C A N N A. C-A-N-N-A-W-E-T-A-L-K-420 dot com or or at gmail.com, sorry. Canawetalk420 at gmail.com. We'll ask the questions for you. Uh, Bully me. Don't think any questions stupid. And know that we will be covering a broad – I mean I already have a broad uh, set of questions that I have set up. But if you have something personally you want to get out there, do it. And again, if, if you're going to do something at a 420, listen, 420 events are great. Don't get me wrong. It's all great to go and get goodie bags and look at cool shit and this, that, and the other thing. But if you want to do something to change policy or to get in the ear of someone that may be, you know, the president of your state, if you like to look at it that way, um, you know, the governor, this is the time to get out there. This is the time to let it be heard. We will not stand for people being locked up for wanting to be healthy, that we want people to understand that prohibition equals murder. That's what prohibition equals is murder. If we continue to not allow people to, tr- to treat with, with a, a holistic form of a medicine that in any way, shape, or form can't harm you, and we're taking that away from them, and in some cases being their only chance, we are murdering them, people. You, you, know, you can make it – you can sweeten it up and put all your little frills on it all you want. But if a person dies at the end and you didn't give them something that was available to them to help them, you're a, kid, you're a murderer, period, in, in, my, in my book. So we need to end prohibition. That's where this needs to go. There's laws. There's this, that, and the other thing. But ending prohibition is where we need to go with this. I do want to make a, a quick thing, too, about people that do treat. And, you know, if your family is against cannabis because they don't know any better and can't give you any reason to not treat with cannabis, but it's your choice, make it your choice. Um, let's not wait until it's a last resort. Why aren't we offered cannabis first? You know, these are the things that we, we need to, you know, we, we need to stress in the – 
you know, in the medical profession, people, when we go to our doctors, talk to them, they work for you, for Christ's sakes. They're your, they, you employ them. You know, you're paying them for a service. Christ, let them, make them pay for the service you want, not the service that they are, that they dictate and read to every idiot that walks in there. I interview every doctor that's mine, every doctor that works on me. Every one of them knows you will not write a prescription on a pad for me. I don't need you to do that. I can take care of myself on my own. You let me know what's wrong with me, I'll treat it. Um, but, you know, and I mean, you know, fine, that might not work with everybody, but please interview your doctor still. Let them know your stance on cannabis. Let them know, you know, I'm tired of pharmaceuticals. I'm tired of side effects. I'm tired of being a slave. You know, I took 136 pills a day at one time. 136 pills a day because doctors told me that's what I needed to stay alive. Well, can I let everybody know today I take zero, zero pills, zero of any kind. I don't take Advil for a headache, okay? I take zero. I treat completely with cannabis and with food, and everybody can do it. You know, everybody can do it. We all owe ourselves that lives, everybody. We really, true do owe ourselves that. Um, but again, not to get too far off, solidarity over separation, New York State chapter, the Human Solutions, uh, and Can We Talk 420 Radio will be in Sugarloaf, New York, Friday from 12 o'clock to 2 o'clock. Um, we are blessed, blessed now to have Glenn Keeling and Peggy Sue coming. They're also chapter coordinators of Ohio. They're coming here in support. They'll be here tomorrow. We are so happy that we're going to have them here with us and standing beside us. Uh, you know, and showing, you know, showing our government here in New York that, hey, listen, this isn't just a New York State problem, you know. Everybody needs this. You know, everybody needs this. And why can't we be a beacon, as their chapter is named after, you know, here in New York, you know, and start paving the path to some real, real, real good policy. You know, I mean, that's well, what it all boils down to me. Donate a solidarity jet so that I can get over there. And join this thing. I'm feeling left out. <laughs> oh, brother, you know, hey, listen, man, my, you know, I got another room in my house right now, bedroom that's empty. They're occupying one. I still have another. It'll have your name on it, Joe. All you got to do is let me know when you're coming, brother. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, maybe some donated airplane tickets to land in, our, in my lap. But either way, I, I am excited that uh, Glenn and Peggy are coming up to join you guys. And I do, uh, I do wish I could be there for you or with you. Um, to, to experience it. So it's really right. exciting to hey, watch the growth of the organization happening on the East Coast. And, uh, you know, we just talked to um, um, Ryan, the veteran, who was on the show yep. a couple of weeks ago, yep. and it looks like he's going to be getting engaged um, south, southward on the East Coast. So, uh, you know, we have, we have a lot going on. There's a lot of work we, still to be done. And well, we do. I mean, I want everybody to know that, listen, uh, we're all, all of the chapters are really getting psyched, guys, and we're really pumping things up. The Human Solutions is doing great things right now, and it's not something anybody should miss out on. I mean, our radio shows are great. You know, it's great for us to get together on Wednesdays and spend the and spread the news. But as Joe was saying, gosh, we're embarking maybe hopefully pretty soon here on a, uh, you know, on a mission that's going to involve scientists from Israel. 
I mean, come on, anybody that's anything in this movement would want 10 minutes to pick these people's brains, you know, and we may be afforded the pleasure of being able to help and work alongside and listen to these people, you know, as, as they give and, and, you know, and the findings. And I want to apologize too. I had spoke with Scott too, before I got on, Scott Albert was going to come on the show for you today. He's a Canna owner, business owner. He said he will be on next week. He says it's ridiculous. He can't believe nobody's taking this up. He is more than happy to talk to you. But he was moving into a new place. You know, he just got back from Israel and are settling in in Oregon. And um, he uh, he was moving into his place tonight, so he couldn't stay on hold, but wanted me to apologize for him and let you know he will call next week. Well, I, I'm glad to see that the first one is Stepping forward, it's only been four weeks now, um, so I, I very much look forward to hearing what he has to say, and 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 especially about this upcoming event. Um, and it's, it's exciting; it's some groundbreaking stuff. And uh, you know, we're uh, just going to keep on marching. Well, Pete, the show uh, yeah. is starting right. to wane, and I've still got a bunch of guests. Um, I very much appreciate you uh, sharing everything, and. Um, and of course, your lovely wife. Um, I'm just glad that you guys are, uh, are 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 making this important and and bringing it all to life. Absolutely, brother. And we'll speak with you soon, man. You know, I'll keep you updated. I look forward to it. Once again, okay. Pete Yapel from night. New York Solidarity Over Separation Chapter. We got this great event going up in Sugarloaf on Friday. So once again, Friday 4:20. A lot going on. Okay, we got Glenn Keeling up next, and then we're going to bring in Tom Corby, and we'll see. Hopefully, George Martirano will join us again, and uh, if not, i got plenty to say, as you might expect. Glenn Keeling from Ohio and our Creative Care Beacon chapter of the Human Solution International. Welcome. How are you doing today, Glenn? Hey, I'm doing good, Joe. How are you guys doing? I'm doing fantastic. So what's going on out there in Ohio? Um, Well, Peggy and I are currently on a road trip. We're headed to New York to Peter and Helen's um, right now. Yeah, uh, we just stopped to get some uh, bathroom and coffee. But, uh, you know, education, you know, I mean, we talk about this every single week, you know, and it can't be said enough. Or as many times as you know, the, the most important thing about cannabis and the most about cannabis period is education. Whether you're educating yourself for a case or whether you're educating yourself about medicating or just wanting to have education, period. Um, I, I think there's high time that we do need a re-education of the entire system. You know, courts court officers, prosecutors, police officers, you know, because it seems like, you know, states after states pass these laws, but um, they don't give a shit. They don't care. They just do not care. They're going to follow their little program that they've been following all this time that does not work because it's not worked since, you know, 80 years. It's not worked, period. You know, um, them fighting you know, cannabis all this time has has absolutely done nothing for anyone, any good, anywhere. Um, and it's just time. No, to, wait, you know, no, hold on. Let me stay there for a second. It actually has helped the prison guards union. 
It has helped all the private oh, yeah. prisons. It has helped all of the uh, the court systems keeping their dockets full. It has helped the bail bondsmen. It has helped lawyers to no end. So it has helped some people. It certainly has well, not helped the good citizens of the world, but it has helped some of those others. It has not helped the ones that it should be helping. You know the the, the patients that you know the the patients that suffer every single day, day in and day out. That you know that suffer with some kind of ailment that needs this plant, that needs the you know what's in the plant. That you know first time they do anything with the plant, they are facing criminal charges, and that is ridiculous. You know I, I mean, and I believe that every single. Uh, you, you know, civil rights person, every grassroots, you know, cannabis organization has said it over and over. Nobody should ever go to jail for a plant, and that is absolutely true. You know, uh, they destroy lives by putting people in prison and in jail. Just incarcerating in the county jail, even or in a city jail, is just too much. It's too much. Hey, the county jails are some of the worst places to be in the whole planet because there's no um, there's no rights whatsoever. There's no services, there's no library, there's no anything. You're just stuck in a cell 24 hours, and if the only time they let you out is if you get a visitor or if you get your dorm raided and they toss you to throw you up on the roof. That's it. Right. County so. I would say at least in state you got, you know, better food and 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 some sort of, you know, services offered. So it, it doesn't matter. There's plenty that anybody ever be incarcerated for this plan. And I, I just right. want to be real clear. You know, some people say, oh well, he was just there or just there or just there. There is no just when you're talking about incarceration. Right, absolutely. Yeah, it, it is absolutely unjust to to ever prosecute anybody, jail anybody, even knock on anybody's door being, you know, of law enforcement because of cannabis. You, you know, people absolutely depend on this plant. Um, it's a life-saving plant, period, and that's the, the bottom line. Um and listen, if, if if anybody wants to get a hold of us, it's the, you know, Creative Care Beacon, Human Solution International Chapter of Ohio. You can find me on Facebook. Very easy to find, Glenn Keeling. Or you're more than welcome, more than welcome to give me a call at 419-863-0498. And that's just if you need to talk, if you're going through a case, if you need help, we will do whatever we can to do whatever we can. <laughs> That's what I like to hear. All right, Glenn. Well, I appreciate everything you're doing, and, and Peggy, I hope you're feeling better. And um, so I'm, I'm, I'm glad and a little bit envious that you guys get to go up there and see Pete and Helen and the, and the team up there. But I'm glad you're representing, and uh, look forward to hearing all about it. Right on. Absolutely. I'll, I'll post some stuff on Facebook. Um, I'll do a couple of Facebook Live things and. Uh, keep everybody updated and uh, keep the fight going. Oh, you bet we will. All right, once again, folks, Glenn Keeling from the Creative Care Beacon Chapter of the Human Solution International from Ohio on his way to New York City, or New York State, I should say. All right, <laughs> we got um, 
Tom Corby up next, and then we're going to have, it looks like George Martorano's calling in. And before I bring up Tom, I do want to bring up a couple of things. Um, the Human Solution International, we're a civil rights organization. We're not a pot group. As much as we support our rights to consume and, and, and cultivate and manufacture and and sell and buy and trade and give away and transport and all those things. These are basic civil rights, civil liberties. And if an egregious act was taken against any of our civil liberties, we would feel just as strongly. The thing that makes this particular um, act of aggression from our government against us so egregious is that this plant actually helps so much, and it's treated entirely the opposite. It's treated as though it hurts and harms. And I have a congressman who represents my district. His name is Ken Calvert. He's running once again for office. I see the Ken Calvert for Congress signs going up again already. And this guy, and again, I welcome him to come on my show. Let's talk about it. But we've written to him numerous times about H.R. 1523, um, uh, about the Respect State Marijuana Law Act. And his replies were just right out of the Reefer Madness book. And it was, I'm sorry, drugs are bad, and, and, and I don't support drugs. And if you support drugs, you're bad. I mean, his, his responses were just right out of the Reefer Madness. And... You know, we have an election year coming up, and as much as we're not a, a political organization, we're a 501c3 charitable organization, I just want people to educate yourself. Who are you voting for or who are you not voting for? And and is that person that's going to be your next congressman, does he represent you? What does he think? He He... You know, he doesn't respond in any way, shape, or form. I've reached out to him numerous times, and his responses are always, you know, just like like a wall. Um, but I certainly would like to figure out who the opposition is and, and you know, who's running in, in my district here in Riverside County, California. But I know that I'm not alone. I know that there are a number of congressional seats that are up for election right now, and I know that our voter turnout is still at record lows, no matter what, even when we come out to vote high in comparison, it's still pathetic. You know, there are places in the world where people respect their right to vote, and they all go out at sometimes at great peril to vote. And I, I, I can't help but, uh, you know, shake my head a little bit. And maybe we get what we deserve sometimes because we don't do anything about it. So I'm hoping that we deserve better, and I'm hoping that we decide to maybe let our voice be heard as time goes by. All right. Um, the value of standing up. We're probably going to go a little long because I've got a few things to say, and I know George is on the line and Tom Corby's on the line, and we got enough to finish the show without me talking more, but I'm going to talk a little more. Um, again, we're not a pot group. We're a civil rights group, and... We advocate that standing up and taking your case to trial is a solution. It's a human solution. 
if you do this and if you call upon the good people of the human solution to help you or do your own thing if you want, but I'm just telling you, we have an organization that knows how to do this. Embrace it. Participate. Be a part of the human solution, and we can teach you how to rally the people to come together to get the support you need that you can stand up and fight this thing. We had another couple of cases um, settle down and plea deals, and as much as I don't want to disparage anybody for whatever choices they make, you have a right to whatever choice you feel is best for you. I just know this. I just know this. That if we did stand tall and we decided that it weren't, we're not going to take a plea deal anymore. If we just said, you know what, I know I risk prison time. I know I risk a felony on my record. I know I risk all these things. That's what I risked. I risked 12 years in prison. Maybe not 30 or 50 like some of these other guys have had, but I, 12 years, that's a hell of a stint. Even if I only served six of it, I would have lost everything I worked my life for. I would have been destroyed. Or maybe I'd be like George Martorano and I'd come out shining. Maybe I would have changed the prison. Who knows? But I don't want to find out. I don't want to go back inside of any place that has me locked up. But I did stand tall and I did take it to bat and I did take it to trial. And I commend every single person who is willing to do that, whether or not you call on the human solution for our help or not, stand up. And if you hear about folks, if you hear about somebody willing to stand up and take their case to trial, stand with them. You know, stand with them. Take a day off of work. Take a week off of work and, and show up. There couldn't be anything you could do that would be as important as that that I can think of. I mean, maybe help help them get out of jail if they're locked up, do what you can there, because I've had angels that have stepped in for me and, and kept me free to fight while I was, while I was, you know, going through my case. We have Melody Cashin, who uh, was in court today, and apparently she has a court a trial date scheduled for October. Um, that's a few months away, but hopefully she will embrace the organization and reach out and participate and rally together. I know she's got an, a lot of support as it is, and, you know, whatever works. I, I just want to see people there for her. I would love to see her embrace the organization and be part of us and be able to benefit from that as that's the only way that you can benefit that way. So hopefully we can gather that. But if you hear anybody who's willing to stand up and fight their case, Please stand with them. It requires a tremendous amount of courage. It requires a tremendous amount of, of, of inner fortitude. And there's such a fear that happens when you walk into court knowing that you could be taken out at any second and locked up and have your rights stripped from you. And anything can happen in court. If you've been there, if you've actually been to court, it's not what you think. It's not the way it's supposed to be. It's not fair. It's not just. It's just the way it is. It's a different world. And anything can happen. And I've seen it happen. So when somebody's willing to stand up and hold their head high in the face of that adversity, they deserve our support. So as much as education is important and it's tremendously important, the support is the other side of that. The support is the yang. 
the education might be the yin. Together, we can end prohibition. Let's do it, folks. Let's do it. All right, we got Tom Corby with the NorCal Report, and then it's George Martorano to end the show. Tom Corby, welcome to the show. How's it going up there in NorCal? All right, thanks, Joe. The Coffee Party Radio Show. Put the, put the phone uh, right up against your mouth if you can. It's where you're sounding as far away. How about now? A little better. A little now? better. Yeah, keep it just I like that. All right, right here. Oh, I'm right next to the phone here. We need that. Yeah, oh, right. Good. You're good. All right. And, of course, the Coffee Party Radio Show and all, all those on the front line. Uh, Paul Hartman uh, today, I want to say that I also grew up uh, near Westchester, California and South, El Segundo. I actually uh, was a surfer down there before <laughs> Uh, actually, before they actually had surfboards, and that was a great talk today by Paul. Uh, we uh, we talk about new. Uh, we talked about Dana Beal. Uh, he's coming up. Actually, found out uh, Jay Stasser hit the the actual defendant. Thought they had a hearing. Uh, on the 24th, and when I was up at the talk with with uh, Dana Bill at Tabitha Tom's in Chasta uh, a week or so ago, he said, no, it's on the 25th at 1.30, and actually it's a preliminary hearing. What's that say? Uh, there's two times that we'll trek a distance for court support, of course, uh, jury trials, once the juries pick, especially closing arguments, will go a long ways. Uh, Joe, thank you again. Came up twice for two of our pre-trials back when. Uh, so we have plan on the 25th, uh, trekking the three hours to two hours. You know, Joe, you've done it before from here to Staffia County uh, to the courthouse. It's another hour. Yeah, <laughs> Staffia County. Uh, not so much anymore. The cases are all going away. Even Beto's case has been dismissed now, uh, which is historical up here. I mean, here was Frank and Ann and uh, Nick Moran. I want to mention again how both their cases have been uh, uh, dismissed here and acquitted. Uh, how we're setting huge precedents here in Butte County, so we always take them on to trial, speedy, take them on to a speedy trial. We always bring the 995 dismissed probable cause motion. Uh, so we, we, we plan on maybe getting a carload of Frank and Nick and I, maybe Alex Lyons in trekking up for Dana Bill's preliminary hearing up in Weaverville. That's uh, 11 Court Street in Weaverville uh, at, at 1.30 p.m. Uh, April 25th. Uh, if you could come for Dana, uh, that would be great. He appreciates all the support. And then when we get up there, we're going to try to muster some more, uh, more local court support. Uh, Tabby said, uh, and Brenda Young, uh, and they said that they may get a car load going over from shaft to, shaft to two uh, on the 25th. Uh, I, I'm looking at the front page. I went shopping today of Time Magazine. What's it say? Big words, marijuana. I would rather say cannabis, but that's okay. We get it. Uh, the medical view, the medical movement, and 
they talk about uh, on, right here on on on, on this on the very uh, chapter ten here the healing power of cannabis and uh, for sure I believe that now after using cannabis for fifty years now I really really believe it helps me first of all with my overall feeling of well being. Uh, I want to thank everybody today uh, uh, for another great historical show. And uh, all out there, don't forget to breathe. And looking forward to listening to George Monterano, always. And uh, Willie Nelson at the end, always good way to end the show. Thanks, Joe. And uh, Frank and Ann. Yeah, he says he said. Don't good go. one, Joe. Human solution. Love you guys. All right, Frank. All right. All right, good to see you. Good to hear from y'all, and uh, you guys are always an inspiration. Standing up and getting her done. All right, folks, Tom Corby with the NorCal chapter, Frank Nan, Alex Lyons, and the rest of the gang. And now we got George Martorado to wrap up the show as we've become accustomed to. George, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Hey, Joe. Hey, Liz. How's my California family doing? Oh, we're doing great. The weather's lovely out here. Yeah, well, I just came from an event, uh, uh, Sensi Magazine, uh, you know, uh, trying to develop Pennsylvania in the right manner with the cannabis industry. The the magazine's based out of uh, of, uh, Denver or Colorado, but they have have affiliates throughout the other cities, so I'm I'm supportive of it. They have these events, so... uh, I spoke to uh, some people. I took a bunch of people outside. Uh, you know, now that I'm, uh, I'm off of probation, I took a bunch of people outside, and and uh, and I'm saying, what do you, you know, what are you here for? And uh, you know, they all wanted to get into this business talk. I said, this is what I'm here for. And I took a, I took a joint out and I lit it, and I uh, started smoking and I passed it around. I said, this is this is why I'm here. I'm here because I came here and I wanted to feel good in a personal nature. So I shared, I shared with uh, the joint with everyone, and uh, and uh, we talked. And we talked a little bit more about situation, and uh, and I told him, you know, it was 32 plus years that I didn't enjoy myself, and then I had to come home and be on paper, and I could join myself. I had the fear factor, but now that's all gone, and I'm finally, I'm finally the real me. So. Tonight I want to share with the audience, if I may. You know, I express myself uh, through uh, speeches and one-on-one talks, and but I want everyone, you know, their personal, their personal relationship, their personal emotional relationship with cannabis. You know, there's everyone that has their uh, their enjoyment. You know, certain parts of the day. I love early in the morning. I love early in the morning, and. Uh, and smoke a little cannabis and go for a walk and a run. Well, you know, I share that. I share that with, in writing. So I want to tell the audience out there listening, you know, I want you to write something. It could be to a family member. It could be to your neighbor. And if you, uh, you know, if you enjoy cannabis and it's a part of your life, which I'm sure uh, tens of thousands it is, you know, write a little something and get it out there. Out, out there. You'd be surprised because, you know, sometimes the letter gets read more than once. And it's shared with others. So, and that's a, that's that's a simple, simple 
situation, a simple thing to do, just to write something, express them something, your personal, your personal enjoyment with cannabis in your life. I wanted to share that with everyone, and please do it. Joe? I couldn't agree more, George. I think that uh, the written word is definitely, um, you know, one of the more powerful ways of expression. And once you write it down, it's out there, and you don't never know who's going to pick it up and read it. And even yourself, looking back on your own writing, um, you you know, gain and learn from your own writings. It, it's absolutely the spoken word, the written word, um, taking those thoughts from our brain and putting them out there for the for the rest of the world to hear and 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 read is just important. So, all right, folks, you gotta you have a, a you have a challenge or an invitation, depending on how you want to look at it, from George Martorano, who spent 32 years languishing behind bars, he says we should write. We should write our thoughts about cannabis down and maybe, maybe who knows, write something to somebody who, who could benefit from it, an elected official, a prisoner, or a family member, somebody you know. Let's, let's take our yeah, thoughts. Yeah, I just, put I, a, just, I just want everyone to express their, 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 you know, the emotional enjoyment they have in their life. That's what it's all basically about. And especially with the people that are ill. So, you know, write a little something and get it out there because it shows shows that you're just a good person, a human being, just trying to have a life with canvas. That's all I'm asking, Joe. I couldn't agree more. Well, thank you so much, George, and I will take that to heart. I'm going to write something tonight. So I, uh, right. I, I think that we should all do it. I appreciate you being here, and I look forward to talking to you next week. I look forward to seeing you in the next few weeks. Yeah, you you guys are, you guys will probably be seeing me in May. Beautiful. All right, folks. George Martorano, right. that's it for the show. Good night. And uh, want to thank everybody. Want to thank Lisa Wildridge for videotaping. Our uh, our live feed went the whole way this time. I want to thank all of our guests, Julia, and the rest of the Canadians who joined us. I want to thank uh, Noncompliant Mary for doing an amazing screening job. Pete Yapel and Glenn Keeling and and all the rest that have made this a rich cup of joe, and we will see you next Wednesday. Hi, I'm Willie Nelson, and the Willie Nelson Teapot Party and I endorse The Human Solution, supporting cannabis prisoners because no one should go to jail for a plant. Little things I should have said and done, you were always on my mind.